I'm so excited to be here. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, my name is Father Jack Reichart, the new priest here at St. Bridget's, replacing Father Grismer, who this very weekend starts his new assignment at Aurora Central Catholic, a high school down towards Aurora. And I'll also be living at DeKalb. So we pray for him. A little bit about me is, is I'm from Rockford. Just take a drive down Alpine Road about 10 minutes south, and that's where I grew up. I went to Holy Family, kindergarten, all the way through eighth grade. I'm a graduate of Boylan, which is a little weird because a lot of the teachers from Boylan come here. And I've seen the Spanish teachers so far today, a couple of religion teachers. So I told the religion teachers in particular, right, if uh, I say anything heretical or wrong, you could just let Monsignor Knox know and he'll get the info to me, right? Uh, in addition to being here, though, as an associate priest full-time, I'm the new vocation director of our diocese, helping young men and women just discern the call of the Lord in their own lives and their own hearts. So if you remember a few years ago to Monsignor Deutsch when he was pastor here, as well as Father Romke, an associate, it will be a very similar dynamic in terms of what I'm doing here as well as for the diocese and for a bishop. But if you do remember, about 10 years ago, I was actually here as a seminarian, Back then, people just called me a seminarian Jack. And uh, that was 2013. It was my first summer as a seminarian. And that yesterday morning, I was hearing confessions here for the first time, and I couldn't help but reminisce of all the times I was on the other side of that screen, kneeling down, right, confessing my own sins. And in that moment, just a deep prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving, just kind of echoing from my heart of, whew, I finally get to sit in the confessional. Like, this is so nice, <laughs> all right. What a, what a gift, right? Uh, but no, I, I just give praise and thanks to the Lord for bringing me back here as a priest uh, into Rockford, uh, which is my home. And of all days to return, uh, to return on Father's Day, as well, of, of course, uh, the solemnity of the body and blood of Christ, which we call Corpus Christi. So we're fresh off the heels from Trinity Sunday. And I think it's so perfect, the wisdom of the church, to have us celebrate the body of Christ immediately after we celebrate the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, we could even throw the secular holiday of Father's Day into the mix, that these two are so inextricably one. The Father and Son are one. And yesterday, saying some of my morning prayers, I just came across this quote by St. Cyprian, who was a very early father of the church. He was a bishop. He died around the year 258. He's from North Africa, what was then called Carthage. Uh, it's from the, around the same area where St. Augustine and Monica are from, if you know them. Uh, he said this, As the Father and Son are one, we too are to abide in that oneness. We too are to abide in that oneness of the Father and Son. Such a simple little sentence, I just stared at it for a while. There's just so much packed in there that we could look to this relationship between the Father and Son, and we can get so much from it. And we can get a lot of head knowledge. You could walk into libraries all over the world and different churches and places of learning. We can get knowledge, get facts, learn about different dogmas, right? retain them. But this sort of knowing, it goes much deeper. So much deeper that it could begin to change us. That this looking and this knowing could actually become a being and a dwelling. And I think one of the most easiest ways to understand this, this great mystery, to comprehend it, is by breaking it down into three facets. The Christian ideal, you could say. The first is relationship. The second is identity. And the final one, which those two build upon, is mission. 
Right, so the first one, relationship. We exist because of another, of one who has first loved us. We could think of God and us, of course. We could also think of a little child. That child is there because of his parents or her parents. That child knows they are loved by them, right? And we know what happens when the child is not loved by their parents. Studies have shown over and over again that if they're not given that affection, right, that relationship that's necessary, their development is going to greatly suffer. But from this relationship of one that has loved us flows forth our identity. So because the Father loves me, I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm a son. I know that I'm a daughter, that we are good. And that you can actually begin to rest in that, to identify with it. You just turn on the TV or read the newspaper. There's so much struggling right now in our modern culture, our society, with what is identity? Who am I? What is a person? But from these two, relationship flows forth identity, and from them naturally flows the mission, that we're then able to be that person, that beacon of light, that essence of love for others, to do as Jesus commanded us to do, to preach his name, to preach the kingdom of the Lord that it is here. But these three things, they have to be in that order. Relationship, identity, mission. You can't really mix them up or flip or flop, right? Because if we start to do that, uh, things can get messy really quick. The foundation starts to crumble. You can imagine Jesus telling uh, his beloved disciple John, who we think was probably one of the youngest of the disciples, probably around 14, 15 years old. Imagine Jesus, you know, decided not to, you know, kind of foster relationships, give them an identity over a three-year period when they were following him. And instead, he just sat down at his little, you know, desktop computer, wrote up everything they needed to know for them, put it in a nice collated binder, and handed it to 14-year-old John. Say, hey, Johnny, I totally believe in you. You got this, right? <laughs> and send him out. That would be a very intimidating, I think, for someone, right? Or you could think of even a little boy, a little girl, who was not loved properly growing up, who their entire lives only ever saw and experienced broken and disordered relationships, how they might struggle to be a father or a mother or a husband or wife someday themselves. Right? And so these two steps, relationship identity, are foundational. So much so that even modern day therapy, you know, psychotherapy, all these things, that's the extreme focus to make sure everything is healed and in proper order. And of all this, this three-part kind of vision, I think it's played out beautifully and so naturally uh, in today's gospel by Jesus. So we just walk through step by step. What's the first thing that Jesus does? Right? He breaks them into groups. He doesn't allow them to be isolated, doesn't allow them to be individualized, right? Which I think we've seen so much these last few years, what we've gone through as a world, as a people. So what does he do? He fosters communion. He fosters relationships. You can say he forms little communities, little churches, little parishes. And then in these communities, he tells them to sit down, right? a position of great receptivity, of passivity, right? like a child sitting down about to learn from their teacher, right? to receive from the one who will give and provide. But before he gives and provide, what does he do? Uh, he begins speaking with his Father in heaven. What did we celebrate last Sunday? But the Trinity, right? Jesus showing that immediately, that he is in relation with the Father, that first step, and from that relationship, he knows he's the son. 
And in his sonship, through his identity, through that relationship, he's then given his mission to become man, to walk with us, to teach us, to love us, to forgive us, to suffer, die, and rise. But before all that, in the meantime, to feed these 5,000 people right in front of him. And then how and what does he feed them with? He takes the offering, just like an offering is going to be brought up through the center aisle just in a few moments. He takes that, he looks at it, he blesses, breaks, and then gives. And each of those little words should set off massive little alarm bells, right, in our minds. That what he is doing is foreshadowing the Last Supper. That he is foreshadowing Corpus Christi, his body and blood. He's foreshadowing the Eucharist, which he's soon to give them. And then finally, perhaps my favorite part, it just says they were satisfied. Just an affirmation of everything that has just transpired, which he gives to us, which we're doing literally right now, which we do every Sunday, right? That it was well done, that is meant to be. So this whole encounter, right? This is the mystery of relation, that first step that the Lord is inviting us into on solemnities such as these, right? Trinity, Corpus Christi. Uh, to be and do, as St. Cyprian said about 1,700 years ago, as the Father and Son are one, we too are to abide in that oneness, that we are invited into this great mystery. And by abiding in that oneness, by being and receiving who we are, my beloved sons and daughters, receiving in a holy, holy communion, we could become that for others, right? to go out into the world. And so in this Mass, in our lives, our hearts, let us rest in that relationship of the Father and the Son, to allow him to bring us in relation with others, to sit us down, to tell us to relax a little bit, to watch him perform this miracle before our very eyes, and to come down to us, to give us that divine sustenance, the bread of heaven, his very body and his blood.